The market doesn't joke around, so why would you? Get serious. Choose Tasty Trade. Tasty Trade gives you the tools you need to make smarter moves. Dig into data with advanced charting, track profit accurately with order chain trackers, see risk clearly with curve analysis, and trade with low-capped commissions, stocks, options, futures, and more. All on one platform. No wonder serious traders choose Tasty Trade. Join the club, genius. Tasty Trading is a registered broker-dealer and member of FINRA and SIPC. You're listening to The Exchange. Here's today's show. Stocks are tanking once again as the S&P 500 gets set to do something it has not done since the financial crisis. Welcome to The Exchange, everybody. Markets are down big as global risks and runaway inflation spook investors. What is the real contagion risk right now? Jobless claims falling to their lowest level in five months, but another inflation reading, one loved by the Fed, Coming in red hot, does this mean a larger rate hike in November is coming? And how is this all impacting corporate earnings? We're going to find out with Nike and Micron reporting after the bell. Well, the action, the story, and the trade, of course, today's earnings exchange. But let's begin with today's move lower. Dom Chu, we started off what looked okay. We were green for a bit. What happened? What happened was the markets finally reset and figured out that, you know what, maybe things aren't as rosy given the bond buying picture in the U.K. So what we have is a market right now that's pretty much given up the bulk of what it got in yesterday's rally off the lows that we saw earlier in the week. The Dow Industrial is down 509 points right now, one and three quarter percent declines, over two and a quarter percent declines for the S&P 500. It sits at 3634. It got down to 3619 at one point today. So if you put that in a trading range perspective at the highs of the session, we were down 32 handles for the S&P at the lows, down a full 100. You can see tilting towards the lower end of that spectrum for the S&P 500. The Nasdaq Composite Index just a hair above 10,701 right now, down 350 points. Really the outsized lagger today, over 3% declines there for the Nasdaq Composite. One of the big drivers behind that tech weakness in the Nasdaq Composite has been some real weakness in two parts of the market that some traders look at as a possible leading indicator for the rest of that tech trade and hence the Nasdaq and maybe S&P trade. We're talking semiconductor stocks and to a certain lesser degree fintech stocks. These two ETX, the ticker SMH for chips and the ticker FINX for fintech, are now down 27 and 57 percent respectively. I've put up the year charts here because what we have in trading today are both of these ETFs hitting fresh 52-week lows. Again, semiconductor stocks as an overall index hitting 52-week lows. That may not bode well for the rest of that tech trade. It's something to watch for sure. And then the stock of the day, it has to be Apple. We've got Bank of America analysts cutting that stock to, in essence, what is a neutral rating. They've also cut their price target. At the same time, you've got Rosenblatt Securities analysts upgrading the stock to a buy. B of A thinks that this is no longer as much of a safe haven trade as it once was, and it could be subject to weakening consumer demand. Rosenblatt says their channel checks and surveys think that there is more robust demand for the iPhone 14 than some people are expecting. Net-net, though, the stock is down 5%, and right now, Brian, because of that 5% drop, it is the single biggest laggard in terms of point impact on not just the Dow, but the S&P and the NASDAQ as well by a pretty wide margin. Keep an eye on Apple shares. I'll send things back over to you. And Apple is the biggest holding or one of the top three or five holdings at about 250 to 300 major ETFs. So even if you don't own Apple directly, but you own some of these big ETFs, Dom, right? Apple's down move is taking down your portfolio with it. Anybody who owns an S&P 500 index ETF for that matter. This this is what happens when it's like somebody described it once as a bowling ball sitting on top of a pencil. 
And those big tech stocks are the bowling ball. Dom Chu, thank you very much. All right, well, the market also taking its cue from this morning's economic data. Now, despite a growing number of companies reporting layoffs amid the downturn, jobless claims fell last week to their lowest level in five months. But that wasn't maybe the only bad news for central banks. And we'll explain why it was bad news in a second. Personal consumption expenditures, better known as the PCE, and a favorite inflation gauge for the Fed rose in the second quarter, up 7.3% year over year. That is higher than the last two second quarter PCE estimates, of course. Very backwards looking, but the number does matter. Helping us now to make sense of all of it and what it means for your money is Peter Bookfar, Chief Investment Officer at Bleakley Financial Group, CNBC contributor. And the jobless claims number, Peter, came out at 190, 190,000. I'm not sure I can remember in 20 years it being below 200,000. You sent a note out. I emailed you back. The number seems weird because you're only going to get a jobless claims number if people are looking for work and are unable to find it. It just feels. Have we reached a maximum productivity point in the U.S. economy because people are millions are just out of the workforce, maybe forever? Well, I, I think that's the case that we've seen at best flat GDP through the first three quarters of this year. At the same time, we still have pretty good hiring. I think the, the jobless claims figure is amazing in the face of the stories we hear about companies at least trimming their workforce or limiting their hiring, but other parts of the economy where employers are holding on tight to their employees. I mean, we've had a last couple of years where employers were desperate for workers. And I think even today, in many different industries with many different companies, you still hear about labor shortages. So if you are if you are lucky enough to have enough people uh, to manage your business, uh, you're, you're going to be very reluctant yeah. to fire them. And I think that that is being reflected in this still very subdued level of jobless claims. But, you know, here's where it's weird, okay? And it goes to the Fed and it go, because they also, it's not just inflation. They have got an employment mandate as well. The unemployment rate is at 3.5%. So you can get up there and say, well, look at how strong the U.S. economy is. The unemployment rate is at super low. I've talked to hundreds of business owners, big and small, over the last year and a half. They can't find anybody, and yet we're at 3.5% unemployment. It doesn't match up. It feels like the numbers are not accurately reflecting the on-the-ground situation that's happening with American businesses. And I would challenge any American business watching this segment right now to tweet you or me and tell us that things are different, if we're wrong. Well, that mid-threes unemployment rate reflects the, the tightness. And for sure, there are still people that probably have not come back. Uh, the participation rate, particularly the 25 to 54 year old, even though it's close to uh, its pre-pandemic levels, it still has not gotten back to exactly that. Uh, but I think that that level reflects that tightness. Uh, and, I, and I think the real question from here is, to what extent do we see a slowdown in hiring, uh, especially if the economy continues to slow? Because yeah, you want to get that extra worker, but if you see your, your business slowing, well, maybe you don't reach for it, but you're certainly going to still yeah. hold on tight to those that you have. You know, Peter, on a, on a totally different level, and I don't want to put you on the spot, my man, but I know you can handle it because I've been tweeting about this. I was sort of one of the guys in 07 that was talking about subprime, if you remember. I was called a fear monger, all this other stuff. I'm not sure this is 07 and 08 again. I think in Europe it may be closer. We're starting to see some liquidity and banking issues happening. BlackRock threatening to turn off trading in London, the mortgage market effectively stopping in the UK and likely part of mass Europe. 
there are counterparty risks, right? European banks and U.S. banks, they are tied. It is a global financial system. What is, and maybe it's zero, give us a reason to be hopeful, Peter, the risk of the Europe contagion coming to our banking and financial systems? Well, I, I think I'll, there are two things here. Number one, I think part of this market dislocation has to do with this post-great financial crisis banking regulations, where banks have to hold much higher levels of capital and have then less balance sheet to make markets in a variety of different things. So that creates these air pockets in markets. The second part is more where the real problem is, on top of the liquidity issues, is central banks are losing control of interest rates. That was clear in, in the UK gilt market, and I do think it's possible that it's coming to a theater near us in the US, where as the Fed continues to shrink their balance sheet, as they still remain very aggressive with short-term interest rates, that there's market dislocations that uh, quickly shift their approach. Yeah, I just feel like this is where we've been tough on Powell and Yellen lately. I understand that, Peter, but you gotta believe this, okay? They did not fully, I don't think, understand the implications of a bond market that moves this fast. I mean, people don't understand the mechanics under the hood of the market, the swaps market, the repo market, all these bond market things that nobody on the street, think, well, Main Street, thinks about are the things that make the engine run. The, the, the best visual is Powell, Yellen, Bernanke, Draghi, Kuroda, all sitting on one big beach ball, trying to keep it underwater. And the second they start to all get off, that ball is gonna shoot right up, and that's interest rates. It's just mo the same people in DC, and the same people at the Fed that were there in 07 and 08, are, most of them are, are still in charge. It's hard to believe. Peter Bookvar, Bleakly Financial. Yep. Peter, thank you very much. All right, meantime, stocks Thanks. giving back all of yesterday's gains. The Dow and S&P on track for their seventh drop in eight days, first in three days for the NASDAQ. Your next guest says markets likely remain in purgatory like this for some time. Let's welcome in Ryan Bellinger. He is founder and managing principal at Claro Advisors. And Ryan, I'm not trying to spook everybody or be a downer on a Thursday. It is Thursday, right? Um, but the S&P 500 is on pace for its third straight quarterly loss. We have not seen that since the financial crisis. So it does, it's not Brian Sullivan's opinion. The market is voting right now that things aren't good. Yeah, you're right. I mean, people are really uh, getting a reminder here on what stock market volatility looks like. You know, we've lived in a range where in a one standard deviation environment, you're going to get returns between negative seven and 28%. And that's a comfortable place to live. But now we're exploring the second standard deviation event, which happens 95% of all outcomes. And that's a much wider range. And uh, it's very uncomfortable. Uh, the, the challenge for this environment which was different than in 08, was uh, the bond market. And you just alluded to that with your last guest. It's very difficult to live in a world where your uh, fixed income portfolio is down 10 to 15%. So we've been telling our investors there's just nowhere to hide. you got to grind this out and, um, and do the best you can with what you own. Just make sure you know exactly what you own. Yeah. Uh, no surprises. Let's be optimistic, because when things seem the worst, that's when markets can turn. And I actually had a conversation like this with my father today. By the way, on the way to work, we talked on the phone. Hi, Dad. Love you. Thanks for watching. Um, which is maybe you want to put some more start to dollar cost average in to equities. You tell me you're the advisor. 
because if, you're, if your timeline is five to 10 years out, as Josh Brown has pointed out many times, the S&P 500 almost always doubles off a recession low within five years. So maybe if you're thinking long-term, it's scary, but you want to buy low. And, and I'm with you. I agree with that. I think that's a great conversation to have. Uh, we have those conversations with our clients too. If you have the ability to look out uh, to some horizon that's three to five years out, you've got to be liking this opportunity. I mean, no one's going to pick the bottom. If they tell you they can pick the bottom, they're just lying to you. You know, you have to be realistic and know that the game that you're playing is seven out of every 10 years, you're going to make money. But in three of those years out of the 10, you're going to lose money and it's going to be painful. And you've got to protect yourself. And the worst thing you can do uh, is sell out of all your stocks and try to hide under the mattress, especially with, with raging inflation. Yep. Disney, CrowdStrike, Verizon. Those are the three picks, picks you brought for us. We have time to dig into one. Which one of those? Disney, CrowdStrike, Verizon, do you want to talk about right now? Yeah, so the, the Verizon play is a place to hang out. Uh, if we're going to go into a recession, you can hang out and get the dividend. Uh, you feel pretty safe there. The cell phone bill is probably one of the last uh, discretionary bills that a family is going to cut. Um, and so we feel pretty safe in that environment. It hasn't been a great stock for, for this year, uh, but we just feel like it's a safe place to be while you ride out this storm. And it's, it's a, um, you know, we've been through uh, you know, quite a time period this year. And so yeah. I think staying defensive you know, makes a lot of sense. You know, I'll add to that. I actually saw a Bank of America survey a month ago, Ryan. It said that the cell phone bill was the last thing people wouldn't pay, even above a mortgage. Nobody will risk losing their cell phone. Very good for Verizon. Ryan, thank you. Really appreciate it. Thanks. Ryan Bellinger, Claro Advisors. All right, on deck. From swoosh to swoon, Nike's on pace for its worst year nearly 30 years. Kind of tired of saying that. Investors are looking to Micron for clues about chip slowdown as well. How are both companies handling very different and maybe very similar headwinds? We'll get set to report those earnings on Earnings Exchange. But first, is the sell-off in stocks creating opportunities in the municipal bond market? We'll get some very specific ideas for you with a lot of tax benefits coming up. And as we head to break, let's get one more check on the markets. The Dow, not on its low, that was down 630. The Dow is down 520 right now. The NASDAQ, though, it is off 3%. Only two NASDAQ 100 stocks are higher. AstraZeneca and Okta. We're back right after this. This is The Exchange on CNBC. At the UPS Store, we know things can get busy this upcoming holiday. You can count on us to be open and ready to help with any packing and shipping or anything else you might need. Is there anything you can't do? Um, actually, I don't have a good singing voice. <clears throat> the UPS... Nope. But our certified packing experts can pack and ship just about anything. At least that's good. The UPS Store. Be unstoppable. Most locations are independently owned. Product, services, pricing, and hours of operation may vary. See center for details. Come in today to get your holiday goodies there on time. What's on the horizon for financial markets? At PGIM, it's a question that over 1,400 investment professionals relentlessly research in pursuit of your long-term goals. Specialized across asset classes, but united in collaboration. Our teams provide global and local expertise. Our investments shape tomorrow, 
today. Pursue your tomorrow with PGIM, a leading global asset manager. All right, well, internally, we call this the heat map, although we should probably change the name today because it's decidedly cold. I mean, there's a lot of red on the screen, which, but that's not a good thing. That's not heat. That's coolness because only two stocks in the NASDAQ 100 in the green. We just told you about them, AstraZeneca and Okta. On the downside is 98 other stocks. And if you look inside those, I know you can't read that. It's like you're a fly or trying to watch TV at Sears back in the day. Apple is down 5%. AMC, the ape, Trade is down 10%. AMC itself down 7%. Rivian down 7%. Tesla down 7%. Lucid down 7%. The electric cars all taking a hit. There's your heat map. Dow is down more than 500 points. All right. Let's try to find some opportunity as stock slides. Bonds are, bond yields are rising as the Fed tightens. Recession risk, inflation risks, all spooking investors. But that market route, again, may be creating opportunities in places like municipal bonds, especially ones that may be a little more tax exempt. Let's talk about it and find you some opportunities. Joining us is Jamie Islin. He is head of municipal fixed income at Newberger Berman. Jamie, are you seeing an increase in interest in munis from your clients? Absolutely, Brian. Uh, As you point out, this has been a rough total return year for munis, but that means the yields have risen dramatically. So Just on the short end of the yield curve right now, yields for AAA bonds year to date are up about 275 basis points. We think that's creating a really, really good entry point for investors. And as you point out, a lot of tax efficiency, which at the end of the day in bonds, it's about the amount of yield that you end up keeping. So we think the market is really interesting right now. Now, we do worry about, I just mentioned earlier in the show, about the risk of financial contagion. What's happening in Europe, we know everything's connected. Banks are connected, pension funds. It's all one big global system. How do you find bonds in areas, school districts, sewage, state, whatever it might be, that may be immune to any kind of economic downturn? Look, these are, as you point out, Brian, these are uncertain times, and we're dealing with really volatile markets. Muni bond investing is about preservation of capital, and I think you have to look in uncertain times for the safest places. One area that I think makes a lot of sense is if you look at bonds from a state like Texas, there's no personal income tax. You don't have the same in-state demand for those bonds. There's many high-quality credits from the state of Texas, and particularly you see a lot of school district issuance. Those bonds on their own, Brian, are typically rated in the AA category, and many of them are wrapped with a program called the Permanent School Fund that makes them into AAA-rated bonds. That's a bulletproof, very safe way to be involved in the market. And because there's less in-state demand in Texas, you might pick them up with an extra 20 or 30 basis points. What kind of a yield can you get and what kind of tax benefits are there? Right now, on the short end of the curve, you can easily buy in one to two year paper, you can buy yields around 3%. That's a taxable equivalent of 5% for someone in the highest tax bracket. That produces about 80 basis points over the current two year treasury. We think that's a really, really good deal. Now, if somebody wants to go down a little bit in credit quality, has a higher risk appetite, You can buy the state of Illinois' general obligation credit, which is an upgraded credit over Mm -hmm. the last couple of years, at a yield of around 4.4% for one to two-year bonds. What's the capital risk? 
I think it's quite low because, you know, again, they have the full faith and credit and the taxing power of the issuer. And that credit has actually been moving in the right direction. It's now a high triple B rated credit now. So I, th I think that's a really, really nice way to generate some extra yield on the short end of the curve. Jamie Islin, Newberger Berman, good stuff. People are looking for, for any place to find some protection and maybe make a little vig on the side. Jamie, thank you very much. All right, still ahead. Apple shares continue to fall, and investors seem confused about what's going on. Apple getting both a downgrade and an upgrade today. We'll dig in ahead. At the UPS Store, we know things can get busy this upcoming holiday. You can count on us to be open and ready to help with any packing and shipping or anything else you might need. Is there anything you can't do? Um, actually, I don't have a good singing voice. <clears throat> the U! Nope. But our certified packing experts can pack and ship just about anything. At least that's good. The UPS Store. Be unstoppable. Most locations are independently owned. Product, services, pricing, and hours of operation may vary. See center for details. Come in today to get your holiday goodies there on time. Welcome back to The Exchange. Sorry to say, another tough day for the equity markets here. One of the worst years ever for stocks so far. NASDAQ's down another 3%. It's off 359 points. The Dow and S&P are holding up a little bit better, but a lot in the green. We told you 98 of the NASDAQ 100 stocks are lower. Apple's down 4%. Tesla's down 7%. All 11 sectors are down with consumer discretionary, the worst performer. And look at some of these movers. Well, first up, Kathy Wood's flagship ARK Innovation ETF. It's got top holdings like Tesla, Roku, Ginkgo, Unity, all down around 7%. And so the ARK Innovation ETF is down 6%, but look at CarMax, look at Carvana, look at the car makers here, okay? CarMax is losing one quarter of its value right now, almost, down 23%. Carvana, down 23%. All the big auto retailers like Penske and Lithia, they're getting crushed. CarMax posted one of its biggest earnings misses ever, coming in 43% below estimates. The CEO is blaming the quarter on affordability challenges, inflationary pressures, higher rates, lower consumer confidence. By the way, you tried to buy a car lately? Prices are still high and rates are going up. It's weird. Anyway, crypto also getting hit. Coinbase plunging after Wells Fargo initiated the stock with a sell rating and a $57 price target. Firm says a challenging economic environment will pressure shares going forward, making now a good time to sell. Coinbase down more than 70% since January. By the way, if you watched Delivering Alpha yesterday in Scott's interview with Jim Chanos, Chanos saying he is still shorting Coinbase. Very critical of the company. All right, well, from stocks to stockpiles, and let's talk oil and look ahead to next week because OPEC and OPEC Plus meet again on Wednesday. And this meeting is likely to be more dramatic than the ones over the past two years. It's because all reports suggest that Russia is asking for a huge production cut from the group maybe up to a million barrels a day. Now, you remember, OPEC trimmed output by a tiny 100,000 barrels at the last meeting. But the price of oil continues to drop as the White House keeps selling about a million barrels per day from America's strategic petroleum reserve. And I can tell you that from my reporting, certain OPEC members, and you can probably guess who they are, believe that is a type of market manipulation and it may need to be countered by action from the group. You can debate it all you want, argue about it all you want, but that's what they believe. The question now is whether OPEC even has the ability to actually cut production because many nations have been running below their quotas and likely want to keep up the same level of production that they have now. Anyway, 
A lot of questions heading into next week's OPEC meeting. That meeting, Wednesday, of course. I'll be covering it for you all day right here on CNBC. All right, let's get a news update right now and check out Florida. Tyler Matheson's here with an update. Tyler. Thank you very much, Brian. And here is what's happening at this hour. A former Army major and his wife have been charged with plotting to give medical information of U.S. military personnel to the Russian government. Major Jamie Lee Henry was stationed at Fort Bragg. His wife is at Johns Hopkins Hospital in Baltimore. Prosecutors allege the couple believed they were giving to a Russian official who was actually an FBI agent. A Russian oligarch, Oleg Deripaska, has been charged with violating U.S. sanctions against him. Prosecutors alleged three women helped him sell a music studio in California and arranged travel for one of them to give birth to his child in the United States. And Virginia Ginny Thomas, conservative activist, wife of Supreme Court Justice Clarence Thomas, has gone before the House committee investigating the January 6th insurrection. The panel has been trying to determine her role in efforts to help former President Trump overturn, Brian, his election defeat. Back to you. Thought we'd have something on Florida there. Tyler, my apologies for that, what we call a bad toss. Tyler, thank you. Florida no seems like kind of a big news event. All right, coming up, a pair of companies set to report after the bell today. Nike, the second worst Dow stock of the year, and Micron, a big supplier to big tech, including Apple. What can they tell us about the state of the market and inflation that is next in earnings exchange? We had to break. We told you about the heat map. We showed you the NASDAQ 100. It's looking just as bad for the Dow. In fact, we've got Boeing, Apple, some of the worst names there. Anything consumer-related is taking a big hit. Right now, the Dow down more than 500 points. NASDAQ off more than 3%. We're back right up to this. All right, welcome back, everybody. We're going to step out of the macro markets for a minute and go micro and micron into earnings exchange. And today... We've got the action, the story, and the trade on two names reporting after the bell, the aforementioned Micron and Nike. Let's start with Nike first. Stock is down 42% year-to-date. The street's going to be watching for any impact and commentary surrounding currency headwinds, as well as consumer demand in Europe and China. Courtney Reagan has the story. Lee Munson has the trade. He is president and CIO at Portfolio Wealth Advisors. Courtney, let us start with you. I mean, the stock's gotten crushed. How's the outlook? Yeah, you know, Brian, obviously Nike is a very, very strong brand the world over, but it's not immune from macroeconomic pressures. And so we're really going to want to hear a lot of details about how Nike, frankly, is dealing with the impact of inflation, both on running its business and what that means for consumers that are faced with higher costs of goods that they have to buy and what that means for what they're willing to buy with their discretionary dollars. The strong dollar is also something that's really in focus in the analyst and investor community. Facts that estimates that only about a third of Nike's revenues come from the United States, so from a dollar-denominated area. And everything else then, of course, has to have this FX translation. And so we're really concerned about what that means for Nike this quarter. Inventory, of course, a big focus for retailers across the board. We know their direct-to-consumer business is getting stronger, but what about their wholesale business? The the, the sales, the sell-through of Nike shoes and other products at other retailers that are having to discount a lot of other goods. What does that mean for sales of Nike? So there's so many things that we need to think about here, Brian, for this quarter, but it's always so informative when we hear from Nike because they give us this global perspective on business and on the global consumer. Yep, and we're going to see those numbers after the bell. Lee Munson, what's your trade 
on Nike. I mean, at some point, the stock has to stop going down. It's not well, going to zero. Probably. I mean, come on, Nike's a great brand. I'm it's not going Nikes to zero, right Lee. No, I mean, come on. I mean, I've been buying Air Jordan since 1984, 1985. People need these because people work out, they do things. It's a great brand. But here's the thing. When you look at, say, like a two-year chart, go back to that 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 chart back in 2020, it's back to the scene of the crime, as a friend of mine likes to say, where we're right at the level where it broke out you know, the summer of 2020 after after we knew we weren't gonna like, you know, all die from COVID. But here's the thing, if you're buying it today, you've gotta buy it not as a trade, you've gotta buy it more as a intermediate to longer term hold. Um, I think it would be fine to buy it today. I'd like to see how earnings come out, but you just buy it, when it if you wanna have a, uh, you know, a position in Nike, Buy half tomorrow after you hear the call and just dollar cost average in over the next few months. But this is a longer term hold. You're getting the opportunity to go to to buy the worst from first. It's like dogs of the Dow, right? You're buying the worst performer in the Dow thinking that you're going to mean revert. So if you love bottom fishing and you want to buy a good growth company that's not going to go out of business, take your shot now. There's a lot worse companies that you could buy, which we're about to talk about. We got one more coming up. Courtney, thank you very much. I know you got Courtney got those earnings tonight. We'll see much more Courtney all through the day. All right, next up is Micron. Stock's down 46% year to date, making Nike look pretty good, right? The entire semiconductor industry tries to regain its footing, all amid supply chain snarls and a weakening consumer. Christina Partsinevelos joining us now with that story. Rough year for Micron investors. Yeah, especially because they pre-announced in August, and it was a negative pre-announcement. Street wasn't expecting to be as negative, and now the big question is maybe it wasn't negative enough. There are three themes that we're going to be looking for within this earnings report. The first one being the the price of memory uh, chips. We've seen that actually decline for quite some time. So will that plunge continue? So the duration of that memory price plunge. The second point, too, is an inventory correction. We've already seen it with PC and a smartphone, sa- a smartphone sales, I should say. And now we're starting to see these signs within the data center, auto, as well as industrial. And then last but not least, we already had the company in August say that they were going to reduce CapEx meaningfully. But will they continue to reduce CapEx at the same time when they are planning on spending billions of dollars on building fabs in the United States. How are they going to do this simultaneously? Can they keep their free cash flow? Or I guess the consensus, I've read a few reports, actually thinks that a full year free cash flow is going to be negative. So these are all little points that we're going to be paying attention to once the earnings come out and the calls at 430. Yeah, trying to look at some of the valuation metrics on the stock the, here. The analyst reports that were all yeah. over from like positive to negative. All, it seems it like nobody well, knows what's that, going on. That's, well, they that's don't. a good enough sign. Well, yeah. They well. don't know. They know nothing. No, I mean, no. If, if, if you have all, Lee, you're still there. Hi, Lee. If you, have, <laughs> if you have all these analysts that are wildly all over the place, I mean, these are all smart people, right? They're CFAs. They all went to Fuqua at Duke, yeah. right? The business school. Fuqua. And, at Fuqua. And they can't figure it out. That's a warning sign. You only have one job. One job. The company makes it de- One job, Fuqua. right? Hey, I don't I, think, it's my I'm wordle starting word every day. Doing. Fuqua. They do some good, good research. Let's give it up for them as I, well. Not any chance I, I can't not own Duke. This stock. I don't want to own this stock. Management already came out a couple months ago. Again, they said, we've got problems and we continue to have supply chain problems. Here, here's, here's the thing how you have to look at it going forward. Um, they make this special type, and I love Micron. Come on, they're a U.S.-based company. They're out in Boise. We want to be cheering for the home team. But they make this particular type of flash memory but that they use in iPhones and smartphones, and there's some real problems about where that growth is going forward. Unlike Nike, this company has problems. 
management keeps trying to call Wall Street and saying it's worse than we think, and then comes to find out it's worse than even they think it's going to be. So if you have to trade this stock because there's a gun to your head and it's raining outside in Florida and you can't get to a casino, I would rather waste money throw it down a pie hole and buy some put options, you're gonna lose. Or do like a some sort of ridiculous degenerate gambler short strangle where you buy a put and you buy a call and you just think, nobody knows what's gonna happen but there's gonna be fireworks in some direction. And even better, why not we say we did that and then don't? Wait, you know, just, just, just two points do though. Don't you think the stock is pretty cheap right now? And then the second point is maybe a long-term hold given the fact that they're gonna say, forget just the storage market, we are going to be at the forefront when it comes to 5G and AI, which a lot of companies still have yet to adopt and Micron could benefit. I, I, certainly, but here's the thing. One of my good friends is a, was a retired portfolio manager, and he always tells me you buy semis when they're banging the, cra the, the, the trash cans, and you can buy them at half to 0.8 book value. We're still at 1.1 book value. Yeah. When you can buy Micron for 80 cents of what you could do for selling all the equipment, then I'm a buyer. So my answer is, I do believe that, but I think it's going to get worse. Whereas Nike. Yeah. I might, I might sit in it getting worse, but you can get so hurt with semiconductors. Wait until it's so much worse than we think today. I think there's still downside. Just, just be patient. Hard to be patient and down that much, but Lee, it's, yeah. it's a very good point. It's a very good point. Christina, always good points. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Still ahead, <laughs> renewable energy getting hit hard today. Solar down big, you got higher rates. And by the way, trouble getting permits for big new solar facilities, hitting that market hard. Sunrun down 10% right now. We're back right after this. All right, solar stocks getting dragged down in the broader sell-off today, officially wiping out all the gains they saw following the passage of the Inflation Reduction Act last month. Pippa Stevens tracking this move lower for us. A big knock here, and it's a complicated story as well. Yeah, Brian, it's really a fall from grace for the solar stocks after so much enthusiasm around the Inflation Reduction Act. If we take a look at this chart, you can see when the upward momentum began. That was the end of July when Senators Schumer and Manchin announced their agreement on the climate bill. It took Wall Street by surprise and led to investors scooping up shares of renewable energy stocks broadly. The solar fund topped $91 in mid-August, but with today's decline, it's now down 20% since. But Josh Shaver, CIO at Electron Capital Partners, which invests in clean energy, said the sell-off has nothing to do with industry concerns. The weakness is all about macro variables, including rising rates. Now, drilling down on specific names, performance has been varied. Panel manufacturers Maxion Solar has more than doubled since the end of July, with First Solar adding more than 70%. Names like SunPower, Sonova, and Enphase also holding their gains. But on the flip side, China-based Shinyi Solar and Flatglass Group both down sharply. Brian, you always got to look at what's in the fund because the top-line number doesn't always say it all. Yeah, and I want to be clear on this, okay? So the, the mansion permitting bill inside the, that he agreed to, it got killed. And there were people out there, I think Bernie Sanders was like, good, you know, forget about fossil fuels. 
it's not just about fossil fuels, right? This, this, this lack of permitting that Manchin tried to get in there also was going to be good for solar and electricity lines that we need to build out the renewables. Yeah, that's exactly right. And it's often missing from this conversation. You need new transmission lines because in New York City, there's not a big solar farm or a big wind farm. And so those are typically in the middle of the country. And we need transmission lines to carry powers to the big cities. But, you know, it's basically impossible to get any big yeah. infrastructure package built. And so this mansion deal that was supposed to fix some of that, you know, you could declare eminent domain, things like that. that could ease along the process. But with that dead, uh, it's definitely another hurdle for. Renewables. It is. Well, who's going to invest a billion dollars into a big solar farm if they're not sure they can put the power lines to the homes that will pay for the solar farm anyway, quickly. Uh, Sunrun, what's going on? Big, big story. Yeah, so the stock is falling 10% today, and this comes after two noted short sellers, Muddy Waters' Carson Block and Jim Chanos, took aim at the company yesterday at Delivering Alpha. Block is short the stock, calling into question how Sunrun values its assets. Take a listen. Sunrun works for us when investors become more risk-averse. So you can tie it directly to rates. For one issue with Sunrun is that when they tell investors they have $4.5 billion of net earning assets, there are several assumptions they use that are ridiculous. They have tax issues and a myriad of other things. But because it's seen as ESG, because it's perceived, that's the variant perception. And that's where you can make a lot of money on the short side when everybody believes this, but the reality is this. Chanos adding that Sunrun is the aluminum siding of the 21st century and nothing but a roofing company. Now, Sunrun has previously responded to Block's claims, saying they are, quote, flat out wrong and a classic short and distort tactic. Brian? Aluminum is one of the most expensive things to produce. So if electricity, ironically, if electricity prices go up, it makes it more expensive to make the solar panels, which is supposed to make the electricity prices go down. Who knows? Pippa Stevens. Thank you. All right, still ahead. Tech taking it on the chin. I mean, what isn't today? NASDAQ by far the worst performer. Apple down for a second straight day. And the street is split, literally, on what iPhone demand may look like. We're back after this. All right, shares of Apple extending yesterday's losses on reports will be scrapping planned iPhone production increases. But today, analysts are divided, literally. Apple got an upgrade from Rosenblatt but it got a downgrade from Bank of America. And both notes cite the same thing. You, the consumer. Steve Kovac, what the heck is going on? Yeah, uh, Apple investors would be forgiven, Brian, for having uh, whiplash today, let's call it. There are dueling narratives from the street today on iPhone 14 demand for Apple. First up, we have Bank of America downgrading Apple, a rare one, saying demand will falter. Take a listen to BOA's Wamsi Mohan on that downgrade on Squawk in the Street this morning. App Store data for Apple, which grew 5% in the June quarter, is declining 2% in the September quarter, and the month-on-month trajectory is getting worse. So that's as evidence consumer spending is slowing down. But Rosenblatt, with the opposite take, saying its survey data shows people want to buy the new iPhones no matter what. Here's what the call from uh, Barton Crockett on Squawk Box today. We're in an environment where These devices are more important to people than ever before. Um, They're willing to pay more for them, um, reflecting the importance um, and reflecting Apple's ability to come up with features that people like. 
Now, Brian, we know where the market stands amid all this confusion. Apple is down 5% today on top of that 1% drop we saw yesterday. And it's adding fuel to the fire from that Bloomberg report that came out yesterday saying Apple was cutting extra iPhone production as that bonus demand never materialized. Still, most on the street pushing back on the narrative saying unit sales will be flat year over year. But the strong sales of the more expensive Pro line models could offset any weakness. And that $900 iPhone 14 Plus, well, that's launching next week. So we're still going to need some time before we have a clear view of the iPhone demand. All right. Well, we're going to find out. Steve Kovac, thank you very much. Thanks. All right. So that's the fundamental side. But what about the charting, the technicals? Bring in Tony Zhang, chief strategist with Options Play. Tony, it feels like options action, but it's only Thursday, not Friday. It's good to see you. Do the, good char- to see you as well, <laughs> Do the charts show any support for Apple anywhere? Uh, the charts absolutely do show quite a bit of support here coming up. And remember, you know, Apple is the behemoth of the market. When we think about the market, Apple is the market. But the charts and the fundamentals both tell a different story. Because if we look at the charts here, uh, if you look at a chart here of Apple over the last two years, I think the first major level of support that we can go back to is the 140 level. This is, an, this is a level that goes all the way back to July of 2021. Basically, all investors passed July of 2021 are at a point where they're either underwater or just at break even. So they're at a pretty important level to decide what they want to do with their Apple investment. Below that, I think 130, which is the June lows of a smaller level of support is certainly going to be another important one that investors who are looking to be buyers might be looking at those specific levels to pick up more shares of Apple, especially, however, if it does break below 130, then we're really headed down to, in my opinion, to the low 100s. Low 100s. Yeah, that's exactly right. And there's both a technical and a fundamental case for that as well. I think, you know, if you look at the Bank of America report last uh, yesterday, you know, we're looking at EPS to be somewhere between 575 to $6. Right now, the market consensus across all analysts is well above $6 for EPS. I think given the news report yesterday, that's likely going to come down. And if you get, even if you take into account the consensus estimate here, we're still trading at 22 times next year's earnings for Apple. And we're expecting only 5% e- uh, revenue growth and 7% EPS growth over the next year, that's a 37% premium relative to what the S&P is currently trading at about 16 times next year's earnings. So if you apply even a, a, a significant multiple above where the market is trading, that that still gets us into the to the low 100s here in terms of valuations. Um, you know, whether you're concerned about demand destruction, whether you're concerned about the macro headwinds, I, I think yesterday's news shows us that Apple is not immune to that. And I think that's really where you have both a technical case, technical case for further downside, in my opinion, at least down to that 130 level. But if you look at the fundamentals, there could be further downside, in my opinion. Macro market view, Tony, quickly. Uh, yeah, so if you see the S&P, we tried to rally here off of that, that 3,600, 3,700 range that we've been trading in over the last four trading sessions. The fact that we're now breaking below that trading session, I think from my perspective, uh, it clearly points to one direction that we're heading lower. Now, if you look at Apple, the relative strength of Apple is really what's holding this market up, but that's starting to show some cracks. And I think that's really where uh, the macros, uh, if you look at the broader picture, it's heading lower. Tony Zhang, options play. Tony, an important dialogue. Watching 130 on Apple. Thank you. All right, still ahead. It is another wild day for Wall Street. Why are we seeing such violent moves? Matt Maley, up next with that. And as we head to break, let's get a look at some of the retail stocks. The XRT, a big retail ETF. It's down 5%. 
CarMax, we told you, was down 23%. Almost every retailer is getting hit right now. Some of them really hard. Walgreens down 5%. Procter & Gamble down 2%. That's a big move for that company. We're back right after this. Market sell-off animation, I think, is very appropriate right now. The Nasdaq is down 3.5%. It's off nearly 400 points. That is the session low. I want to get to one more thing, and that is, you know, we had a monster rally yesterday, but now a monster sell-off today. So what exactly is going on? Here now is somebody who probably knows. His morning notes are must-reads, at least according to me. And Matt Maley is the chief market strategist at Miller Tabax. Good to see you in the daylight hours, Matt Maley. Um, What's going on with the volatility? I mean, the, the stock market is is acting like we're going to have a massive, I don't want to say crash, but certainly economic and earnings slowdown, interest rates, currencies. It's a toxic brew. Yeah, Brian, there's no question. You know, the, the, the problem is it's just not the stock market. I mean, we've seen a lot of times in the last, uh, uh, you know, eight, nine months, the market's been very volatile in the stock market. But now we're seeing it very, very volatile. Bond market and in the currency market. You look at so many global currencies flat on the back. That is really, I mean, when was the last time the currency crisis for risk assets? Uh, so, by that, you know, the algorithm trading that's taking place right now. You know what? Hey, Matt, uh, Matt, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to cut you off. We're having a little bit of audio issues. Here's what I want to do. Matt, here's what I want to do. I have some audio issues. Let's do a phone interview. I don't think, Matt, can you hear me? We're, gonna, we're having some audio issues. Hang up your Zoom. We're going to call you. I'm going to ad lib for like 30 seconds, and and then we'll, we're going to go. Okay, we're just going to. I want to get. I want to get Matt back on the thing. Matt, we will get you back on tomorrow. Some tech issues there. Uh, Matt Maley, Miller Tayback, but always a must read on the volatility there. All right, before we go to Power Lunch, let's just do this. Let's spend a minute and go through all the market stuff because why not? We can do it. Let's go through overall. Bring up the macro equity markets. We are seeing one of the biggest drops, not of the year but certainly of the recent weeks and months. Now we are seeing the Dow Industrial Average. It is down 2.14%, 600 points. It is on its low of the session. The NASDAQ down 400, its low of the session. The 10-year yield moving up a little bit, but you can't blame this on yields at 3.76%. The VIX, just throw the VIX up, guys, before we go to Power Lunch. I'd appreciate it. The VIX up 8%. When the market washes out, when the market washes out, you want to see a few things. 10 to 1 downside volume, a VIX at new highs for the session, over 33, okay, and pretty much the breadth of the market like we talked about being miserable. We are not at all of them. We are closing in. There you go. The VIX is at 33. Markets on lows of the session. Could be a wild last couple hours in the market. We will see you for it tomorrow on The Exchange. Power Lunch begins right now. You've been listening to The Exchange. Make sure you're subscribed to get each episode every day, same time, same place. If a friend asks how you're doing and you say, I'm okay. When the truth is, I don't want my problems to burden anyone. Or you say, hang it in there. Because if I ask for help, they'll just think I'm weak. Then this is your sign to call, text, or chat 988 for free confidential support anytime. You don't have to hide how you feel.